Hey, this is Craig Valentine from Early to Rise and Internet Independence. And I'm here with a good friend of mine from the Denver area, a young gun of the online world. So everyone, please welcome Jim Clare, a copywriter, and he's going to give us some great tips today. So Jim, welcome to the call. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, so Jim, you and I met through an introduction. I can't remember who it was, but somebody said, hey, you got to meet this copywriter, Jim Clare in Denver, because I was looking for sharp uh, copywriters in Denver around the Early to Rise office, and we got the introduction. We had a nice meeting and then uh, just kept in touch since. So do you remember who it was that introduced us? I think it was sort of via Craig uh, – not Craig. Uh, I think it was sort of via John Carlton and Kevin Rogers. Yeah, it could have been. Could have been a couple of uh, usual suspects there, but um, you know, you came with a great recommendation from those guys, and then I was disappointed to know that you're already working with the the Venus guys and Kyle, and you've got a great mentor there, obviously, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it's been it's been amazing working with them. Uh, definitely honored to work with them. So I've been with them now almost. I think it's coming up on three years now in. Uh, in August, I think so, which is it's flown by, but yeah, they they got me all they got me all tied up there. <laughs> well, can you tell us how you got started in this crazy world of copywriting? And and you can even go back to some of the sales stuff. I think you had told me that you were doing before that. We just love to hear those journeys because it, it gives us an idea of oh, this is why he's so good at what he does sometimes. That's super. Um, yeah, basically what happened is so I've been I started off in the car business. My family I'm a third generation car guy actually. And I love the car business. I love the car I love the selling aspect. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I did it when I came back from college, but uh you know, in the car business just about in every sales position you could imagine I held from uh you know salesperson, closer, and then, you know, general sales manager. But my favorite was in the F&I, which is the guy that sells you the warranties. So you think you're all done buying the car. Then, of course, you know, here comes some jerk to sell you some more stuff. Um, but that was my favorite part of the business. And But it was a change of life. Actually, my dad passed away in 2008, and I was kind of really wondering what the heck it is I wanted to do. So I moved back. Uh, to Colorado from Boston originally. And I moved to Colorado and I coached my old ski team. And I used to compete skiing in, in college. And then, you know, I was kind of playing around and, and relaxing in a way. So I don't know if you can call ski coaching a job, but, um, you know, it was a blast. You know, I was looking to get back into something. And I noticed uh, after my dad's death, uh, you know, he had a pretty solid relationship with my mom and I was struggling in relationships and I got into studying all the dating and pickup stuff and I went back into the car business for a hot minute here in Colorado and I hated the place <laughs> I'm like I can't I can't do this anymore um, and I saw an email it's from the Dow of Badass that's where I started off from the Dow of Badass saying Denver opportunity and I kind of fought tooth and nail to to make sure I got that gig and I had no idea about internet marketing. I had no idea about uh you know direct direct response or no idea about copywriting at the time. 
And I showed up, and it was in this odd basement of this house. I think it was actually like, uh, where was it? I think it was with a Beyond Diet. They had an office out here. And Josh uh, Pellisier, who was the head guy at Dow Badass at the time, didn't really even say a word to me for like the first five days. And I was thinking, what the heck did I just get myself into here? And then he said he looked at me, and he just said, you're crazy in a different kind of way. He says, you're introverted. You have a background in sales and you're disciplined. And he goes, you're our new copywriter. And go home and read the Gary Halbert letter and let me know if that sits well with you. And I remember I went home and I read the Gary Halbert letter and I really thought, like, you know, the heavens had opened up and I, and I didn't even sleep the entire weekend. I just kept reading these things. And I remember digging around, uh, going further and further down the rabbit hole and coming across ads when I was a remember reading when I was a kid because my dad used to get Soldier of Fortune magazine and I used to see like the, you know, the John Carlton ads of, you know, defend any, you know, steal a gun from this guy. And then I remember the bottom line reports. I wasn't sure if, uh, because my grandmother used to get them and I go to my parents saying I need the brain boost thing. And I just, it all came rushing back and I went back that weekend or that following Monday and told Josh, I said, this is it. Like, this is, I'm in. And that's what really got me started. Like, I had no idea what copywriting was or anything. I just, you know, loved it. I love the sales aspect. I love, you know, sales trainers. I said, I can be introverted and and see if I can put my sales skill to, to writing here. And I was pretty excited about it. That is very cool. You know, and that makes me think, well, I now have the uh, the test for whether or not someone can become a copywriter. If they sleep on the weekend after I give them all the Gary Halbert ladder, letters, then they're not a good copywriter uh, prospect. But if they don't sleep all weekend like you didn't, then they're my next copywriter. Is that the way to go? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. It's just, uh, you know, I, I really do think there's something uh, to someone who, who's had, you know, face-to-face sales things, um, you know, and I think there is something when it, it really does something, uh, there's something special when it speaks to you, because uh, that whole weekend, it was just such a blur, like I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of, of reading these things, and then I, you know, then remembering and going further and further down the rabbit hole, so it's, it's a good thing if it, if it speaks to someone, uh, you know, and oftentimes a lot of people, uh, you know, who were in sales, and I think was it even Craig Clemens had kind of the same experience. He was in sales and said, "Wait a minute, I can actually I can do this without having to you know go somewhere and sit in an office." And it, you know, it really speaks to you. So it's a it, it's hard to find, but it's also it's a good thing to, to see if you can find for. Well, so let's go all the way back to the car stuff. What was it about the F and I that made that your favorite part of the business? A number of things. One is it's a challenge for sure because you have to most likely, uh, depending on, you know, what the day is looking like, you know, a car sale itself, I think, I forget what the industry average is, but it takes a couple of hours. And that doesn't include, you know, the days, you know, the, the selling or the calling back and the, hey, can you come back in, that sort of stuff. Basically, you know, the salesman has sold them, and the person thinks they are done. And the hardest part is you, within 30 minutes, you now have to basically bump this person 
up another couple thousand dollars or you're selling them a whole bunch of stuff. And everyone thinks that, well, maybe it's easier or shorter. Like, no, the, the whole process is almost starting over again. So good F&I guys can basically, and how they're kind of looked at is they're very good car salesmen, but they can do it in a much faster process, which is an art form of itself. And it's just kind of, you don't even realize you're doing it. And then they have to have the, I guess you could say the balls to start asking for more money. Uh, you know, the person already thinks they're done. Um, and then they have to pre-sell them, like, here's what exactly you need to protect your car. So you really have to paint this vivid image. And it is a challenge because it, each deal is different in its own way because your emotion selling off of, not off the car, but your emotion selling off of things they give you. Are they, what kind of socioeconomic background do they have? What, you know, what, is this they have? I mean, what is this? So you have to go really quickly and almost make assumptions of the person in a way and judgments of uh, of things and how the person is. And the unique thing is, as far as human behavior, is you notice particular patterns. You notice certain things, and you know some of it may even sound you know stereotypical to you know certain demographic groups, but it there are certain patterns where you can kind of go in and you have to do it really quickly. And I thought that was a lot of a lot of fun because it was a challenge uh, to do it for sure. Interesting. Okay. And then one other thing that you mentioned that I thought was kind of curious was about the um, finding the Dow. So how did you find the ad? Were you just, did you just stumble across an ad for the Dow of badass or how did you get involved with them in the first place? Maybe I missed that step. Uh, no, well, I guess you could, you know what the funny thing is, and I, I'm a 100% product of buying direct response stuff. <laughs> uh, because as my dad used to say, you know, a good, a good salesperson is a lay down everywhere else. And when I, uh, it was a direct sales letter that got me, I guess, to study dating. So I had gotten out of, you know, my dad had a path, I was in a terrible relationship, and I remember reading this sales letter on how to get your ex-girlfriend, uh, back. And I was up at night like, oh, my God, I, I should probably get this thing, but she might get mad. I, oh, my God. Uh, and I bought it, and the system worked. As far as for me at the time, it was really kind of getting the emotional power back and because, you know, I had this kind of robbed the morning of my dad. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. So I started buying on his email list. I started buying everything else, and then I think – the funny thing is, in 2008, um, I think it was, uh, geez, it was Scott McKay, I think, who sent out Adonis, and I bought Adonis, and then I bought, uh, so I was buying everything on the email list, uh, and I would go through it, and then it's, and then it led me to, you know, self development, to, you know, to, to discovering Napoleon Hill and discovering that. So I was a product of direct response, and, and I'd say I currently am. Uh, I'd bought it and I'd apply the information. So at Dow Badass, I was on uh, their list. I bought their product and I really did like the product. And a lot of it is based off of, uh, you know, kind of st personality typing a little bit with observations. And I really connected with the product itself. And when I saw the email come in, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I got to see what this is about. And I had no idea what the heck I was signing up for. Uh, but that's how I, stumbled into it okay very cool so you started off writing copy in the dating world and then you moved over to the fitness world so 
What did you learn in the dating world that most people don't know about applying to the fitness world? Is there anything that, you know, there's opportunities there, or is there anything that is just, you know, so similar between the two that, uh, again, people are not using to their advantage? There's probably two things that really apply. Uh, and I would say one thing in the health market, I, I noticed a little bit that some people may be scared to use to their advantage. And the, but the first thing is a solid, sound sales principles always work across the board. Uh, and I, you know, a lot of these principles have been around since, you know, Claude Hopkins. I mean, these solid person-to-person sales principles work. You know, and I'll get into it later, but, you know, books like, I mean, geez, Tom Hopkins, I think the Art of Selling book is one of the best books I've ever seen on copy. And if you can ever see any of his, um, was a training of champions boot camps, there's just so much depth there in that sales pitch. And then a guy like Oren Klaff, uh, you know, pitch anything is phenomenal at making, so the salesmanship doesn't come across as cheesy. I think some guys are always like, they're closing way too much. Uh, but he has, you know, kind of that very straight line formula. So basic sales principles and basic sound principles always work as yeah, I think John Carlson said, or even Claude Hopkins said, salesmanship in print. So when you can take a look at, you know, some of the best copywriters, especially like Ogilvy or, uh, you know, Gary Halbert, they're using a lot of basic sound principles from their introductions to the stories to the, to their closes. And which leads to the second part is, especially from dating, you know, tying that in is, uh, the basic core human desires. And I think dating is really big. To be a good dating uh, copywriter, you have to be able, or you have to not be scared to touch on maybe even darker desires of vanity and guilt, uh, you know, how people will compare themselves to other people or people, yes, you can say there's kind of an animalistic or, you know, sexuality underneath things. So when people want to get, you know, Tim, you know, tr- uh, trim or fit, it could be because they're comparing themselves or it could be because they want to look younger than their, uh, you know, than their, you know, ex-husband's, uh, you know, new fiance or something. You know, there's a, that kind of animalistic competitiveness to it and which kind of leads to vanity and lust are very big uh, aspects, you know, painting up someone's vanity in comparison or even, uh, you know, the kind of greed thing. So I think that's a really big thing I got from the dating niche uh, is understanding that there are very core elements and there's kind of even, you know, darker sides to them that people don't want to openly admit about getting respect and having it done for them and uh, that they're going to be seen in this particular way. Well, you know, fitness, there there is that aspect to it. And it's a, the way I look at it is it's, it's, it's what that dark stuff can oftentimes be what gets someone off the fence. Um, you know, you, you can't be pounding that as the main thing because it'll be too, uh, probably a little bit too hypey, but it's the thing that gets them off the fence. It's kind of like, here's the ultimate change. Like, yes, I'm not going to accept this situation uh, anymore. And that's kind of when that dark <laughs> pulls into light. I'm getting heady here. But that's, you know, that's a very, those core key desires. And where does it go dark a little bit? Uh, is where dating kind of delves into, and it, it certainly that relates to uh, to health and fitness, absolutely. 
Yeah, so that kind of touches on where you and I last uh, connected was at Kennedy's, Dan Kennedy's latest event, which was about one of his best. Now, it wasn't uh, the best seminar in the world, but it was one of his best, and he really got into summing this stuff. So were there any, and he actually, sorry, he actually just talked about exactly what you talked about. He talked about how some of his headlines for weight loss stuff were the best ones were when it was comparing yourself to, you know, the other ladies at work or something like that, or comparing yourself to your friends and family and you lose weight faster than them. It wasn't that you lost a certain amount of weight, but you just lost weight faster than other people. So was that something that you agreed with? And what else did you take away from Kennedy's event? Oh yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think, I mean, sometimes you don't have to lay it out, you know, just in those exact words, like, you know, look faster than your friends, but you do have to lay it out in a way that paints that image, uh, that they're going to be, uh, seen in a particular way, you know, vibrant, youthful, you know, radiating some sort of presence, you know, some magnetic presence where they're going to be radiating it, uh, you know, where they kind of stand out better than everyone else sort of thing. Uh, you know, but there is that 100% aspect to it. And the biggest thing I got away from the Dan event is, I mean, there was, a, there was a ton. I thought, I mean, Dan, I think, is really good, at least to me, he's really good at teaching subtext of, you know, touching on those desires of, you know, we compare ourselves to other people, and we don't want to naturally admit it, but it, it's just a natural uh, you know, kind of fact of life. It's you know, it's kind of like hardwired into us. We're gonna our lizard brains are gonna compare us to other people, and I think Dan is very good. At least at that event, he's very good at at pointing those things out. And I think um, you know what I got. One of the biggest takeaways I got was uh, you know how he talks about. I mean, he went into a lot of detail, but I thought the initial thing of bringing in. Uh, you know, rapport, of how we talk about family and empathy and those sorts of takeaways combining with, you know, the smorgasbord of everything else that he gave us, those are really huge in copy, especially in the introductions or, you know, going into the story aspect, who who it's from and how it kind of uh, relates to the person watching or reading the copy is massive. And I think where Dan really hits the nail on the head is if you can tie in those things of rapport and empathy with, you know, kind of those darker desires and let that paint an image in the, in the person's head, uh, that's when you really have them hooked. Like this person is just like me because I have those same thoughts or I have those, like this story is really about me. And, you know, you go, if you go into a story section of the VSL or, or paint up the education, pro, you know, part of a VSL or something, it's like, well, wait a minute, this is the solution. Like, this is going to be my final answer to, to looking better uh, because it speaks to them. It's speaking really into their, into their mind and into their desires and, and hopes and dreams. So how did you build the rapport, uh, you know, going back to the car situation, how did you quickly build rapport one-on-one -on -one with somebody? Uh, <laughs> there's good ways and there's bad ways. Um, you know, sometimes if we're uh, – I could have so many stories there. Um, the, the key thing was um, 
boy, there's so many stories here. I'm like, where do I run with this one? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> one was, I mean, some of the bad ways were, you know, we'd have, if I saw a family come in, uh, you know, I'd have a picture of a family and say it was mine, but it wasn't. Uh, you're basically looking to meet them somewhere on their middle ground. Um, and my specialty was, uh, I guess what may help the story was, my specialty, my specialty was, was uh, really more affluent customers. Uh, you know, being from Boston, and for whatever reason, I was really good with uh, kind of, you could call them older Yankees. And I would let them talk. And I, was, I wouldn't start talking about the car with them. I would kind of, you know, I would go off and start, you know, let them talk. Like, oh, hey, that's, uh, you know, those are really nice. That's a, that's a beautiful Rolex. Where'd you get that from? And I wouldn't come, it would just kind of be very subtle. I'm like, oh, so you, you know, you obviously, you know, I'd let them talk and, and really kind of start getting an idea of them as a picture. Uh, and it would be very subtle, you know, it would kind of be mirroring and matching them a little bit. Um, you know, especially their language. Like I knew as far as, you know, the kind of Yankee blue bloods or that old East Coast, they love to actually, they love to act like they're, you know, they're shrewd with their money, but they name drop a ton. So I would kind of name drop with them, like, oh, yeah, no, I know that. And I you know, went with this guy or I know that person and I went to this school and, you know, kind of get a, a common ground. And I would keep it relatively quick. And then I would transition to, well, you know, let me show you, let's, you know, move right along here and let me show you how, uh, we can, you know, protect your investment here. And that's how I'd say something we're going to protect your investment. So I'd look to get on equal ground with them some way really quickly by building, uh, you know, some sort of rapport. And usually I'd, you'd have to be taking the lead and taking them in, down in places. Now, finally, or oddly enough, the more affluent customers, it, they required more time uh, because they're tended, they tended to be, uh, you know, the saying was rich people count their money one way towards them, so they didn't necessarily want to buy as much. So it, it would take a little bit longer. But generally, those who were less affluent, you really needed to uh, just have them not have buyer's remorse about the car, not have that. So that would be kind of, you know, you're showing them that they're making a wiser investment in, in the end. So you're really kind of gaining a rapport with them. Uh, immediately, and then really painting up how this is going to benefit uh, them. Okay, and then so the next thing, uh, thing with this one-on-one, -on -one and then we'll transfer back into copy, but how did you overcome the price objections in person, and then how do you do that in your copy? So the price objections, well, there was a number of ways. One was... Um, I mean, the most common, probably most basic way was, you know, generally comparing it to something. Uh, and it would depend on the person, but you can compare it to time lost. So where I worked was uh, on the auto mile in Boston, which was meant there was, a, a, you know, dozens upon dozens of dealerships uh, that they could choose from within the same, you know, uh, brand or they could shop different brands. So it was easy then to paint up, you know, as far as a price comparison, and if it was just focused on the car, it was easy to paint up that this is, you know, if you drive, you know, your gas mileage, everything like this, the emotional time cost and investment is going to cost is just, you know, outrageous. Where we can do this right now and we can meet in a fair price. 
Now, when it came to F and I, generally the you know the price objection was over usually uh, the rates, and people would come in with their own banks, and usually what we would demonstrate is is sort of more convenient. Uh, it was sort of the same thing. Like if you finance through here, it's going to be more convenient. Now, if we did have their bank financing, that would be great because uh, usually they would come in with something way too low, and then we can kind of explain, say, okay, well, here's your actual credit score, and here's your actual bank, and here's what you can uh, get approved uh, for. So we could actually, you know, match what it was they're looking for unless they needed, you know, their credit was, uh, couldn't get them to that rate. Uh, you know, so that was, the, you know, kind of the biggest thing was a comparison. And as far as the closes, it would generally be a meet, you know, somewhere in the middle. Like, I understand, you know, you can, you know, go here. And again, to, to kind of backtrack, I'm talking more on the overall price of the car. Uh, but if it was on a warranty or something, here's what it's going to save you. You know, for some people spending, saving this amount, it's going to, you know, pay off in X, Y, Z. So we can meet in the middle uh, here or we can meet here. So basically, you're showing them where convenience-wise they're going to save and why it's important to do it right now. Uh, and then we, you know, throw in all types of, of clauses on top of that. So I hope that makes I hope that makes sense. No, that's really really helpful. I'm actually just a little selfish on that because I'm doing a lot more one-on-one closing with people in my high-end coaching coaching calls these days, and I really uh, could use that that extra help there. So thanks, Jim. Now, what about when you're doing that in copy? So let's switch back over to our sales letters. And now, you know, you've got your new Yoga Burn product and you know, you've studied all these other sales letters. What are the best ways for overcoming price objections in our sales copy? Is that through social proof or something else? Yeah, social proof. And, and there's, the, the big thing is is because the close is kind of where, you know, they're going to be on the fence, uh, you know, if they're, if they're not buying immediately. But basically, I think a lot of copywriters tend to miss out on this is, the DSL or the sales letter itself really has to move towards that, painting up that this is the absolute best value possible, which is essentially what we used to do in the car business because, you know, in the auto model, we had to paint up that this is the best time for them to buy right now. So you have to be cognizant, you know, when you're writing your lead or your story or everything, that it is moving towards that overwhelming value at the end of the price close. So. You basically want to make it sound like um, uh, one that if they're going someplace else, it's going to be drastically expensive, and that and you have to give a reason why for you know the deal. You know when you get to the when you get to the actual sales aspect. So here's what my time you know or what the expert's time costs. Like you know a normal you know yoga class or yoga membership can cost up to this amount of dollars. However, as you know, they kind of re, as we pointed out. You know the you know, the negative aspects of that. You could be actually paying way more, or to find parking, or the emotional time and convenience. Now, you know, then drop down to say, okay, well, for all of this, we're going to give you this one-time price. But because you've been here for so long and you watch this video, I want to make this an absolute no-brainer for you as to why to do this now. And we have this, you know, bonus number one and bonus number two, and even one better. We're going to do this right now. So you're really painting a picture as, you know, if they leave that 
sales letter, if they leave that VSL, they're just it's just going to cost them uh, time and money. Um, and you know, I, there's you know multiple different closes. I think a great example of uh, closing is uh, Tom Hopkins is probably one of the best closers, aside from the, the Benjamin Franklin close, which he did. <laughs> Uh, you know, Tom Hopkins is a phenomenal resource of closes, but, a, you know, a good close is you can kind of paint up saying, you know, a fair market value. So you can say like yoga classes or, a, you know, a fair market value is X. And then most people, some people would be happy to pay somewhere in the middle, but for just today, you're going to, you're going to pay here. Um, you know, it, it kind of really paints a picture. And another one is, is, uh, you know, really a, you know, some people could actually afford to pay 597 for this. And even for everything I've painted out, we can safely agree that that would be a steal. And all the amount of time and energy I've put into this, now, you know, it, I'd say that's more than a fair discount. Now, those who are really, who are less fortunate, maybe only to afford this. And that's even a crazy uh, deal. And those who are a little bit more fortunate can pay this. But you know what? Because I really feel passionate about this and because I really feel, you know, uh, how important this is, is to get into as many hands as possible. I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to offer, and then you offer them at the at the lowest price. So it really comes down to painting value. So you can kind of lay in, uh, you know, subtext, you know, before of how this is kind of expensive. Like yoga classes are, are expensive. I think we have like you know trying to find parking spaces, the stress, the amount of money it costs to join a class. Those sorts of things. So they're like, oh, this is expensive. And then it ties into like, well, normally my time would be this. So, you know, it puts in again, like, oh, is this going to be a lot? And then actually, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, you can pay $97. And then before, and then after you say $97, you can, you know, drop in bonuses and you say, you know what? From this, you know, limited time presentation only, I'm only going to charge you $37 because I feel uh, you know, X, Y, Z, it's really important to get this into as many hands as possible. So, again, it's, you know, really painting up the, the value and pointing out why other things are expensive and then showing how they're going to save time and convenience, and you're almost gifting them uh, the price of where you're meeting them. There's some sort of, like, you know, <laughs> you're receiving a gift at this price. So you're, you know, this is, like, for you to only pay $37 or $47, it's an absolute gift to you. That's really, really great, Jim. Man, you just uh, gave me a, a, a really great lesson there in closing. So personally, I appreciate it. I know everyone listening is going to love that as well. So let's flip it now, and let's go up to the top of the letter and talk about how you grab attention. All right. Uh, so attention, you know, there, there's a couple of different ways, and I know probably one of the most Popular ones out there is made, you know, very popular by John Benson, which is a, a pattern interrupt. Um, me personally, I prefer uh, to lead off with either negative or positive. So a negative introduction is, you know, you know, say, you know, hi, my name is Jim, and uh, I'm a best, you know, this is, and this presentation is for uh, women who are wanting to lose you know, looking to lose at least five to ten pounds of weight. But there are four foods, so you immediately start off with a, a negative. There are four foods you're most likely eating on a common or on a daily basis that are robbing your chances of losing weight. 
So there was this huge negative thing. And then, and then, uh, you know, the fourth, you know, so you lead off with a negative saying there's something that's causing you, that's robbing you daily of the money you should be making or of, you know, of finding the woman you should be dating or losing the weight you should be losing. There are four foods or four mistakes you're making on a, on a daily basis or four silent mistakes that you're making. However, at the end of this presentation, or however, I'm going to show you the one unique tip that's going to immediately transforming. You could, as soon as you start using this tip, so it goes negative, positive, and then social proof. So you start off with a negative. Uh, you know, you really paint out that there's something negative happening. There's something that they are doing. It's not necessarily their fault. It's something that it's kind of happenstance. A negative that they're eating four foods or uh, there's four exercise mistakes or there's four whatever mistake or three mistakes, however many mistakes you want to make it. And then you tie in like, here's the one, but I'm going to show you the one, you know, the one solution right away. And then after that one positive, you know, tie in social proof. That's a really great way to grab attention is you lead off from the negative because they're going to be curious. I I mean, I'm making four unwitting mistakes. So, well, I don't want to be making these mistakes. Uh, okay, well, he's going to give, show me the positive here. And here's, and then boom, you hit them with the social proof of, and this, you know, he, and just like it has worked for, you know, these thousands of, of people. Um, another good way is, and, if, and I think it's best to come in when you're testing out a, a lead to come in also have a positive hook. So you take the, uh, I'm going to show you the one unique or the, you know, the three unique tips to, uh, you know, erase belly fat in a matter of weeks, uh, as long as, and then boom, you go positive and then you time the negative. As long as, you know, these three, uh, unique benefits are going to solve the four mistakes that are commonly made, which I'll show you. And once you, you know, use these three simple steps as fast as tonight, you're going to melt off the pounds just like it has worked for. So again, you can kind of go positive or negative or negative or positive. Negative tends to work best on cold traffic or, uh, you know, traffic that's not coming from, uh, you know, warmer affiliates. And then, uh, you know, the other way, the pattern interrupt is great. I think it's, uh, you know, pattern interrupt, as long as the analogy makes sense, because uh, oftentimes I see a lot of copywriters make the mistake of, you know, they just try to grab at a, rat, at a random pattern interrupt. Uh, the pattern interrupt has to make sense to, to where it's going. And, you know, a good pattern interrupt is great if you don't necessarily have a lot of, uh, you know, expertise, if you don't have a huge background of, say, fitness or health, and you're kind of more, you know, underground or on the fringe person. A pattern interrupt can easily make, easily lay into the story of the analogy or the education. Like, here's why what I'm doing is, is working. Uh, and that's kind of, I think, the, a good goal of a pattern interrupt. It easily paints a picture of why this is going uh, to work. Yeah, you're right. I've seen some really strange pattern interrupts, and they just, they're just so bizarre that they don't even lead into what you're going to actually watch in the rest of it. So that's really great, Jim. Man, that's fantastic stuff. So did you ever do any long sales copy, or were you always doing video sales letters? I've, I've primarily been video sales letters, uh, at least the stuff that's out in the, in the public, but I have done a, you know, a fair share of long copy, uh, out there. I did, I guess I did a, a couple in the dating. I've forgotten about, but yeah, I've done, I've done a couple of long copy ones. 
What do, you, what do you do differently in your video sales letters, particularly in the opening uh, versus your written sales letters? So in particular, in the, open, in the opening, it's, it, the openings are, are relatively similar. Uh, but on the VSLs, uh, it has to move along, uh, I guess you could say, economically. It has to really start carrying into the, into the story of the pitch. Uh, you know, it has to immediately qualify, here's a negative, here's a positive, um, and here's who I, you know, kind of, here's immediately the pitch. Um, you know, so you immediately are qualifying, like, here's, here's exactly what it is. On, on a sales letter, you have a little bit more leeway, what I call maybe getting carried away. So you can do, uh, and, and these are principles that work. You can do the big, long headline, you know, here's the, you know, kind of the, uh, the subheads underneath, here's the introduction, and let me tell you what you're going to find out today. So you kind of have a little bit more, uh, in sales letters, you can, uh, you, to order to get them to read it, yes, it has to, you know, one kind of lead into that hook, you know, or lead into that, in, into the lead, so the big, long um, uh, headline. You don't really have that luxury of, of making a huge, long headline in a VSL, you almost have to kind of start right into uh, the pitch, if that makes sense. Got it. Got it. All right. And then, so the next question I want to ask you was about the boosters and the bumps that you have used in your copy. Right now, you mentioned that you're using a bump in the yoga product that's really working well. So uh, hopefully that's a secret you can share with us. And then anything else that, in addition to that great closing information you've given us, what else is Boosting and bumping your response rate these days. Cool. Um, as far as the, as the boosting and in the, in the, in the order form bumps, uh, you know, we have one where it's kind of you, you know buy you know buy this program but get the second one you know, for only like five dollars more, and it's really a lot of basics of what you see. Uh, you know, if you go into you know kind of Walmart. Uh, I think there's a, and actually paints it probably better than I can, there's a, for all the South Park uh, TV show fans out there, there's an episode of South Park where uh, the Walmart comes into town and everyone can't stop, you know, buying these, these deals and it really makes no sense. And there's an example of, I think the character Cartman is, yeah, there's a, uh, a, you know, one of those kiosks of DVDs that they have there and he's, you can buy, I think, a copy of, I think it's Bloodsport for $5 or for $7, you can get three copies of Bloodsport. And he, and everyone's buying like the three copies version. And people are like, well, why do you need a three copies of Bloodsport? Because I don't know, I'm giving them to friends. So they, you know, there's this kind of this associative thinking of, you know, people make these last minute purchases. And on the order form bump, uh, you know, we have, we're not selling three copies of, of Bloodsport to yoga people, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, we have a short copy of, like, you can get this for a friend. And I think people are just so conditioned to seeing a deal where they get it. And, it, and we justify it immediately, immediately with, um, you know, you can give this to a friend of yours who's looking to lose weight, or you can give this to your, your granddaughter, or you can gift this to someone. Um, you know, so it's kind of ingrained into us. I mean, if you walk into you know, Walmart, even now Amazon is doing it, you buy something, here's something else other people have bought. So you're like, oh, wait, I can get that uh, with it as well. 
Uh, and I know, uh, you know, restaurants do the same thing. They kind of like to cluster, uh, especially restaurants where they're you know, more scientific. Like if you go to a big chain, um, you know, like Capitol Grill or, uh, you know, or even Applebee's, they, they cluster certain menu items where people are going to pick the highest margin uh, items. You know, they, they pick it as base of just kind of almost an irrational behavior. And I think there's a great example in that book, Predictably uh, Irrational, where they talk about magazine subscriptions. And that's kind of where it comes from, where you can get this, the digital version uh, for one price, then you can get the, the subscription version uh, for like, you know, $57, and you get subscription in digital for $57, and it's like the most obvious deal. So it's kind of this, where are you grabbing them? Uh, sort of thing and really you know the uh, you know kind of a buy one or get one or get one and then for just two dollars more you can get a whole nother copy of it uh, you know it just kind of bumps the bottom line it's almost you know we didn't expect that to happen but it's, it's crazy how people actually take that uh, you know buy one for a few dollars more here's a whole nother copy uh, of it yeah very cool very cool um well, Jim, what about in terms of books and courses and mentors that have helped you along the way? Uh, you know, obviously you've worked directly in person with people, and then you studied all those Gary Albert letters. Is there anything else that has made a real mark on what you're doing today? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I trained under David Garfinkel for two years, uh, you know, which, which was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, if, if people are just starting out in copy, I'm, I guess I'm blocking him. Uh, but I trained over him for two years. Uh, you know, Chris Haddad's been another great mentor of mine, and, and Craig Clemens has been another uh, mentor of mine. As far as, as books and courses, I'm a really firm believer of uh, digging way back. I mean, Eugene Schwartz is, uh, you know, Brilliance Breakthrough, I think, is one of, if, it's a very, it's hard to, to get it, but that book is probably one of the best copywriting lessons out there. Um, you know, as far as structuring sentences and structuring how something is going uh, to work. Um, as I, you know, Claude Hopkins. You know, I, I still read scientific advertising and uh, my life in advertising. David Ogilvy. Going back to those, those old basic principles work so so well, um, and I'm a big, huge fan of Tom Hopkins. Uh, his sales stuff, his courses, you know, he's a really good uh, salesman. And I was fortunate enough to go to one of, I think it was his last boot camp event, but you can find them. But his boy in person, him explaining closes and how to get rapport. And even though sometimes it's, you know, he's talking about how to gain rapport and, you know, in someone's house, you can still find that sort of lesson, how can I be doing this in my copy? Um, but, man, I, I really like the old the older guys, you know, David Ogilvy, uh, Eugene Schwartz, um, you know, Claude Hopkins, and of course I love, you know, John Carlton and Dan Kennedy have also been uh, really big uh, in my kind of crafting. And as a, and also Vic Schwab, again. <laughs> uh, and probably one of the best copy things I do, I mean, as far as courses, that you know, I've been through a fair share, but nothing beats, really nothing beats hand copying uh great ads that's that's huge uh, you know hand copying old ads new ads and you know uh, and just really stretching uh, across the board and hand copying 
I could go on and on in books, you know, like Robert Greene's been a, a huge influence. Robert Ringer uh, has been another big influence of mine. Uh, and I think another big thing with copy and, uh, and a lot of people neglect it is, you know, always be working. I think even Dan Kennedy had in a recent newsletter, you'll know, be working on uh, your own self. Uh, you know, when you can structure, uh, when you're working on, you know, self-developing and developing yourself, I always find uh, when you find that kind of a, you know, strengthen yourself from something like Napoleon Hill or Robert Ringer, you really get a, a good drive and a good grasp of learning of associative thinking and learning outside the box within copy and kind of like putting more and more pieces uh, together because you're kind of getting rid of ego of what will work and what won't work and you're kind of developing this, I guess, this forward ball of momentum. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, one more thing. What about the email copy? So you have spent a lot of time writing email copy. What are your tips and secrets there? Um, I guess that would be another course to mention. I learned a lot from Ben Settle. Uh, the tips and secrets there are really, uh, the, you know, the best copy is, is always in the is in the dirt. And but what I mean by that is is really getting to know your your customers, uh, having some sort of you know, survey or something where you can find out, you know, primal information about them. Um, and then uh, really being able to look outside the box. I mean, the emails I write, I mean, they, you know, as far as, you know, kind of a daily email, it comes with, you know, I'll be pulling from an episode of Seinfeld or pulling from Gordon Ramsay or I'll be inspiring them. So it's kind of carrying on a conversation and being able to pull from a lot of, a lot of things because a lot of people respond uh, very well to you know daily daily life like oh I was grabbing coffee or not grabbing coffee I was grabbing coffee and I noticed the woman said this so you can pull things from daily life really being observational is really big there uh, and the other kind of secret is is keeping the emails. Uh, you can give away about 90% of the lesson, but I think the real art is you know, 90% of the lesson and then the 10% of the secret they're going to get is by clicking the link. Uh, and that's kind of where it, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time in writing, but if you can give away 90% of the lesson where people reading it will, you know, if they're a little bit, some people are going to get like, oh, okay, if I apply this, this is this is great. But if some people really want to know that last 10% of the secret, they're going to click the link. And the other big piece of advice I can give, and I still myself catch myself doing this, is um, on emails especially, a lot of people, I notice a lot of other internet marketers will assume that their list is much further down the line in education as if, you know, as in their doing the exact same things that they're doing. In reality, it still always comes right back to basics. Like, you know, what can I be doing to lose weight? Or what should I be eating when to lose weight? They want to know the, they still want to know the absolute basics. And you have to, it's always best to keep your writing right in those absolute basics. Like 90% of the secret, uh, and, or you know, 90% of the education and 10% they, they can go find somewhere else. Or, you know, an analogy lesson, like, you know, saying you use something from a episode of Seinfeld or an episode of uh, Game of Thrones, 
and that's another thing to, to test in your list of what they, what kind of things they like. Um, you know, I found the yoga burn list. You know, Game of Thrones email did did really really well. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, oddly enough, on a dating list one time, Gordon Ramsay was like a hit. I don't know why, but, you know, so kind of testing those things out. But, you know, keep it within those basics. You know, like, I noticed this, and here's a lesson we can take from this. You know, and be, really keep it on those basics of what they want. Cause they're not, you know, they're not going to be as far down the line as you. They're not going to have read, uh, you know, or done all this, or they're or doing all this, or working out seven days a week and, you know, keep it really to the basics. Very, very cool, Jim. Thank you so much. That was really helpful. So what um, what can we expect from you in the future here, sir? Well, I'm I'm still, uh, you know, cranking away with, uh, with the, the boys over at Venus and uh, working, you know, very closely with Kyle. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's, you know, working, we have a lot of exciting things coming up with, with them, uh, you know, on the, on the horizon. So, and, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it for now. I mean, that's where my, my nose is to the grindstone with them and, and just trusting in the process over there. Well, thank you so much for taking your nose off the grindstone for today's interview. We really appreciate it. <laughs> no, thank you. It's been an absolute, uh, it's been an absolute honor to be here. It was a great. And, if people want to help you out and get Yoga Burn out to their email list, how can how can they do that? Should they contact you? Yeah, they can probably contact me for Yoga Burn at uh, Jim at KickAssCopy.com is where they can uh, get my email, or right, and that's where they can, they can get in touch with me. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Jim. Again, uh, for not only for the written copy and the VSL copy tips, but uh, on a selfish note for the one-on-one sales stuff, that was really helpful. And it's very interesting to see the parallels that you and Kyle have. You know, he was a one-on-one salesman in the furniture world, wasn't he, in the family business? He was. And actually, I think he did sell cars for a little bit, too. Ah, there you go. You guys are two peas in a pod. All right. Well, thanks again, Jim. Um, (laughs) Really appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, having you visit Canada soon. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you up there. All right, my friend. So I'll see you back in Denver very soon. And everyone, thank you for being on the call. This is Craig Valentine from EarlyToRise.com and Internet Independence here with another amazing kick-butt conversion call. So we'll talk to you soon, everyone. Bye-bye.